Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Today I have Pavitra Dixit with us on Audio Gyan. She is a typographer, graphic designer, and presently working in Landore, Mumbai. She is also a part of Kadak Collective. and today we are here to talk about indian graphic design with pavitra uh, thanks pavitra for giving us your time and welcome to audio gang hello yeah so uh, yeah i mean as i told we'll be discussing about the world of indian graphic design so i've come up with few questions because my knowledge of graphic design especially in the indian context is very digital so i wanted to touch up on different aspects as well and uh, let's see how we yeah uh, sure looking forward this is uh this will be exciting i'm yeah. sure <laughs> uh so yeah you say your exploration in design is uh, within the indian context i mean this is the line which i borrowed from your website so what do you mean by that exactly what is indianness when it comes to graphic design um i think fundamentally i'm indian hmm. and it's really hard to remove who you are uh from and your roots from what you do especially as a designer because this is more like a vocation um and inherently uh, my context is always indian i have actually never lived abroad i have traveled quite a bit but my context in this case is always um everything that surrounds me and so um if you think about it my experiences on a daily basis influence the kind of work that i do um whether it's my personal body of projects or it's the work that i do for clients at landor it's always based on what i see what i learn uh it could be about the chaos in the city of bombay i was born in chennai but i've been raised here so my context is very rooted in who i am and i feel like a lot of designers in india don't really embrace this as much as they should mm-hmm. uh you can't take this out of you uh you might ape xyz person in the us or xyz person in london is great i their work is fabulous but your context uh sure will always end up being even if you're inspired by the kind of work that they do because you're designing for an indian audience you automatically start changing things and that makes the context uh, or the work that you do and in design context is everything you can't remove that um or you can't judge a piece of work in isolation so for me uh when i mention within the indian context is that most of my work revolves around uh india or indian graphic design or working for clients in india or the work that i do is for an indian audience largely if a global audience gets to see it great i'm really happy with that uh but the audience is mainly for me indian mm-hmm. but when you say that indianness uh are there any specific keywords which you want to associate with which brings in the indian part of it i think it's just really more about at, at least for me uh a lot about introspection it's about g- going further into your roots being more rooted uh about who you are and every person is in different in many forms and of course i do have a differentiation and that sort of usp you can channel into and that is an inherent indianness because you're a kind of person that has 
been raised in the Indian subcontinent. And I think this is fairly obvious, uh, especially in when we work as a group of uh, women in Karak. Uh, Karak is a collective of South Asian women across the world. Uh, we were originally eight of us. So that's we were Arthi, Akila, Andri, Janine, Kaveri, Garima, Mira, and I. And then we further since expanded to uh, Shreya, Supriya, Kritika, etc. There are lots of people who come in on different chapters, and all of all of us have graphic storytelling at some level in the work that we do. It's narrative based. There is stories that we're trying to narrate from the Indian subcontinent as women. And this is an inherent Indianness that nobody else can. Your stories are who you are, and they come from where you come from. You can't disassociate that, hmm. and that is why Indianness is like a part of everything that you end up producing in any case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the Indian context. That's the Indianness. So it's not necessarily an outward visual color or a grammar or the kind of work that you produce, but it's technically where it starts from. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and if you can also tell us uh, how big or wide the canvas is for when it with respect to Indian graphic scene, just some context. This could be actually this is slightly uh, geared towards the audience who would like to get into graphic design. So how wide? Because for me, the journey ha- at least with audio again, like the design canvas is just widened like ten x. So yeah, similarly. I mean, graphic design is a really I mean, large body of work. I mean, to be fair, the smartphone didn't exist when I decided to be a graphic designer. Uh, now I only design for the smartphone. Mm-hmm. So like, when had I thought of this when I decided to be a graphic designer thinking, okay, I want to produce X kind of work, then I, that I may not exist today because right now we're only designing for a generation of smartphones. And if somebody gets into the field thinking, oh, I want to produce design for a generation of smartphones, by the time they graduate and actually start making work, the smartphone might not even exist. We don't know what the future looks like. Mm -hmm. So it would be really hard to give that. So I would say the canvas for graphic design is really large. Like I think it's super wide. You could do so many. There are like disciplines and sub-disciplines like when we started studying typography was a discipline then became type design and then there's lettering and there's hand lettering and calligraphy and there are pointed pen there are like variations further and further within these things that I was not necessarily aware when I started graphic design and then the more people pick a specified you know like they branch out into typography then they do a super specialization and for so it's sort of in a way i would compare it to like medicine mm-hmm. where people start like okay i'm going to study an mbbs degree then i'm going to become uh, a general surgeon then a plastic surgeon then you know further on and there, there are so many ways to go ahead uh similarly designers like that that you can be a super specialized person uh so you can go dig deeper 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 or you can just be grow wider 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 like mm-hmm. you could either or is fair so you're saying within graphic design also you can do so much yeah or design yeah yeah the canvas is unlimited like i sort of specialize in my cop like in my professional career as a in the field of corporate branding which is why i work at landor but honestly even within corporate branding you can specialize for only a certain kind of consumer segment like you can say, okay, I will only work for consumer-facing brands or I'll only work in the segment of food. And even in food, you can decide which one you want to work in. So there is like a market for everything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you could be, I mean, I'm saying corporate branding is then saying wide. I want to work in the, I could work from everything from finance to insurance to oil and gas to, you know, uh, food to restaurants. 
that's the wide spectrum mm-hmm. but then after you work there for a couple of years you could be like i want to get into super specific specialization within this and then you could go deeper 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 and then you'll just become the master at it mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of something like this so graphic design i think is just i guess like saying somebody saying acha i've studied engineering or i've studied medicine but like what's your speciality within that is what makes you who you are wow that's well put yeah, yeah i think that 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 would be my thing superb uh so i also stumbled upon uh, a lot of work which is documented online uh, in in your blog and other places uh, and in that i saw something to do with uh, paper and it was cut out and some salads were made and there were different things which were happening on that blog post so i wanted to ask you uh, can graphic design be a, be tactile in nature i mean what is the role of paper or when it comes to graphic because again if paper is just an example but yeah. are there other elements to it and because my exposure as i mentioned in the beginning is very digital so um okay graphic design is the practice of like creating a visual concept okay it is basically starts or it has to communicate something so there has to be a narrative or an idea uh, at its base core that's what it is i was fundamentally while learning uh, in design school art school i learned to think on paper with a pencil so no matter what the output is i start there hmm. so whether in the end the it has to be a sculptural piece or it has to be like made out of paper or it has to be made on the computer or it's photoshop work or cinema 4d everything starts with the paper for me um and i think like a lot of people who were traditionally taught art would work the same way uh but medium no bar graphic design is just imagination what does your imagination let you or allow you to think of and then you can manifest it in any format so when i started the paper salads the project that is like it was called a salad every week where fundamentally i really wanted to eat healthy and i said okay let's make this into a design project because otherwise ye nahi hone wala let's just be honest ye <laughs> like aspirational to say i'm going to eat a salad um but actually honestly i did enjoy salads but it's just that the effort to put them together and it's too much hmm. so i said uh, let's make an art project out of it so that's literally where it started and before that i had you know sort of participated in the global 100 day movement project whatever and i had sort of toyed around making some stuff with paper and while so then i was like okay i'm just going to use paper in this one let's see what it looks like so then on a whim literally i most of my projects just start on a whim please never ask me how this works mm. but um when i start on a whim i decide that i decided that i'm going to make the same salad twice and i wants to eat it because that's the whole point of the project and then wants to recreate it in paper so when i started it if you actually looked at the first salad i ever made it looks exactly like the salad that you eat it's just a bunch of things thrown together mm-hmm. and it was just randomly sized cut paper every shapes were triangle rectangle i, I wasn't thinking about it it was not designed mm-hmm. because how i visualize how i saw it is how it looked on paper and then it was done but then as i progressed through the as it's a composite piece so i've done it over a period of time and when i worked on the piece over like period then i was like okay the oranges should look more like oranges this is a pear it should look like a pear the salad leaves if it's a kale it should look curly if it's a spinach it should look more 
X, I started to design them because obviously the designer in me has to come inside everything. And then I slowly started to make them more interesting, the forms, and I started add layering, then color combination, layouting. Why don't we do this like food styling? And then I basically took the concept of food styling into paper. And that was fun mm -hmm. for me as a designer because then it's challenging and you have to constantly innovate and think. Um, so that was a fun project from that aspect. So graphic design, for me, everything would start on paper and pencil and a sketch. Mm. And then I would be like, huh, okay, my imagination is saying, so when I started it, I never thought it's going to look like 3D things layered one about the other with color comedy. I, when I started the first piece, I hadn't thought of that. Mm. But then that's what it ended up becoming. Mm. So I guess. So, so you could have, if you were better with some other materials say wood or for example I could have made it yeah I mean I didn't try but how does that tie into graphic design as such because <laughs> if you, like, is, there's or a very it's not famous, required no it's a very famous thing like I don't remember who said it right now but if you if you design one thing you can design everything yeah it's Massimo Vignelli yeah okay yeah. I was like I, it's a famous person I was thinking it was Ray H. Eames mm. but I was like no it's yeah. not but uh, but if you can if you can design one thing like I just wanted to design food at that point because I was like okay this is how I'm going to make, motivate myself and I felt that that's interesting like I feel like a lot of design is from personal experience and that's what truly makes it like going back to this whole Indianness. no two people even if they are copying the work that you do if somebody makes paper food great but they won't have the same context as me they will not find the same ingredients as me. They may, they may not at the same point think of this salad like how I thought of it. Mm. And it's fine. You can't, I mean, whatever. I just don't worry about these things. But at, at any point, what you produce, if it's truly coming from who you are mm -hmm. or the place that you're from, um, I think people will resonate with it. I don't think you should think about it so much. Mm -hmm. It's my general norm. Nice. Yeah, actually, I'll slightly change tags and also want to know more about you as a designer. So, uh, how did you choose? Uh, like, how do you choose what you should work on? Especially, uh, I've again read that you're you're very much passionate about side projects. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everybody has so many ideas, and like you have to see, uh, you have built composite projects also. So, yeah, can you tell us more about that? What what it is, why, and how do you? Um, approach a project so basically some of the things that I okay so this was the first sort of self-published book that I made and it's titled Discipline and I kind of think people think of me like that and I kind of also agree um, kind of somewhere through the when I was working I figured out that discipline is the most underrated skill set to have mm. um I don't it's know not why. very tightly associated with a designer, designer. or a creative person. Because most person. people think that, oh, creativity just comes to you and, you know, you just, you know, you wake up and then you're super innovative. I mean, let's just be honest, it has never happened to me. I don't even know what that looks like. Mm. So maybe I'm just not cool enough or gifted enough for that kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, mm -hmm. moment. But it has never happened. And I think that to achieve anything worthwhile, you need to keep at it consistently. And I truly believe that. Um, I mean, you take a sports person, you take a doctor, you take an artist, you take a writer. Everybody shows up. That's what you have to do. I mean, doctors hone their craft over and over and over again. Would you hire, like, would you get operated from a doctor who's got like two years experience versus somebody who has 30? Obviously 30 because practice makes a man perfect. That quote was not made for anything else. <laughs> and um, whether it's a sports person uh, or whether it's a writer, the writers are told they wake up every day and they 
the first thing that they do is like they write for two hours, yeah. and like that is discipline. That is nothing else but discipline. Uh, whether it's people who go to the gym or work hard, and you ask all these people what keeps you motivated, I'm like they they always say nothing. You just wake up, even if you don't want to go, you go do it because mm. that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. And at some point, it will all of those things add up. Uh, and there's a very again like a famous Paula Shaw quote over here that I would like to say is that she when she designed the city logo. Uh, she wrote on a paper napkin and people always ask her like, wow, that took you five minutes to draw. Uh, and she said that, yes, it took me five minutes to draw the city logo on a paper napkin, but it took me 34 years to learn how to draw it in five minutes. And mm-hmm. that's what you have to pay me for. Mm-hmm. And that's what discipline and consistency is. And it's highly undervalued in the field of design. And I find that to be kind of ridiculous. I feel like if you have a routine or a regimen, um, I'm not saying it has to be strict, like every day wake up at 6 a.m. Like that's not the point. But then if you decide, set something loosely, like once a week I'm going to do X or uh, put yourself into a practice to do something that you want to do. Results may not show up today, tomorrow, day after, but it will add up. At some point you will be known for doing that thing over and over and over again because you will tend to get associated with it. And I think the people associate me with discipline because I tend to put everything into a routine. It's just a thing that I have mm-hmm. because I feel like it helps me achieve more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, nothing comes easy. That's like hard work, homework to make the work consistent. Even if you take some of the world's most famous artists like Vincent van Gogh or like Closer Home, um, like Amrita Shergill or... Um, if you think of in fact this Paula Shore thing which you said I think it was exactly uh, uh, Picasso had a similar experience all of them like they all every day would wake up and paint whether people were buying their paintings or whether they were just making paintings for themselves or they were in the end going to go to the garbage bin they would wake up and paint they were not asking people like is this amazing or Mm -hmm. is this what I need to be doing you show up and then at some point it'll all come together and you have to trust the universe to make that work but then for the universe to make anything work, you have to show up. Hmm. <laughs> and that showing up needs discipline and consistency, which most people undervalue. I think that if you can train yourself to be disciplined, it would be, trust me, it would change the game completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember like few of the articles which I read, at least on, I think, brain pickings. Yeah. They have a lot of articles yeah. related to discipline, especially with authors and writers. Yeah, because yeah. it is, it actually works. I, I don't know how else other people do it. Like I said, I've never had this epiphany movement moment where I'm just like, ah, that thing, I'm going to do that. I don't know anybody who does that either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clearly, discipline is working for other people. So, I'm pretty sure it will work for most people if they try it. Mm-hmm. But I think there is that aha moment also, but it just, aha is, I think, is just a manifestation. It's somewhere subconsciously building uh, yeah. with that practice and with that routine which you put yeah, in. Yeah, you don't just wake up and be like, ah, yeah. I've not done a thing, but today this idea is going to change the world. It, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Cool. Uh, so there's a connection between your work life and work life. So how how does the day job work in the sense? I mean, like um, uh, actually at Landor or with your personal thing with respect to design and your discipline? Um, I think this actually, I speak about this often. I have a dual identity thing as a graphic designer. They sort of work as I tell everybody, oh, it's like a yin-yang. I'm totally in a yin-yang. Um, The work I do at Landor is like for corporate clients, we're solving problems on a day-to-day basis. And that is scale and impact. Mm. 
Okay, like last year, I didn't really work on the project, but somebody like one of the designers in our office uh, redesigned the National Stock Exchange logo. Oh, okay, wow. think so. about it. She's always going to be known as the person who designed the NSE logo mm-hmm. till the day she dies. Like, I mean, that is unbelievable. Like yeah. that kind of impact. Or the logo scale. changes. <laughs> yeah, the logo changes. Yeah, of course, right. And she's always going to be that person who designed the logo, irrespective of what happens. And that kind of scale is impossible for you to get when you're making a small personal project. Hmm. You can't impact the lives. We work with clients at all levels. Like, I mean, we have like say like packaging projects for like Britannia or Mother Dairy and those kind of projects if you're designing we design the Mother Dairy the heat pack and that sort of goes to people's homes you are, you as a designer have the ability to impact what people are looking at on a daily basis biscuit packaging I don't know chips packaging these are things that people consume on a daily basis and you as a designer are responsible for how that looks everywhere hmm. and so that is like one yin and the yan is that work is great, of course, but then it can kind of bog you down with all the things involved with it. It's great on a, like, if you think about the impact and scale and the kind of things that you can end up doing. But then there's also a large part of you that uh, wants to be creative. Hmm. Okay, now a lot of these projects are more problem solving involved. They, of course, involve creativity. There is no way out of that. But then if you want to be, explore something new, you can't test it on a project for a client because that's just... You don't even know if it's going to work. So mm. it's not a good place to try. Um, sounds aspirational, but maybe a little too much. Mm. So experience tells you you should try it for yourself. And the best way to try it for yourself is to make a side project. Mm. And that's what I do. So I Unless the client has given full liberty to experiment, but they hardly that, give. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's, let's just be honest. I mean, clients are great, but they're also investing money in this. Mm. So I don't really don't think they'll just be like, I'm okay to do anything. Mm-hmm. They will give you a certain amount. We've had great flexibility in a lot of projects. Uh, one of them being Godrej Nietzsche's basket, where we did the whole like retail experience and like uh, brand language for who they were like two years ago. But even with that much flexibility, you still want to do more. Hmm. So if you had to explore, then what would it be like? So like when I present, sometimes I talk about it and I say that when we did Godrej Nietzsche's basket, when we started the project, I had already finished making all the 52 salads in my discipline. Hmm. But think about it. They sort of, Timed pretty much the same time. And so one is a yin to a yan. And then all the things that I learned in that project, we could manifest into like, I would be like, okay, no guys, we need to do X, Y. These are tactile materials that we could think of using if we wanted to as an exploration, whether the client buys it or not, secondary. But that ability you can only get, have you already tested this before? So you have to be able to not worry about making money in your personal projects and be like, okay, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to try and, you know, test new grounds. Every time I do a new project, I try and push myself into something that I have not done before. It's pretty hard, but it's a good way to see if you can A, grow as a designer hmm. and B, you know, grow uh, grow your practice or grow your expertise and then sort of see how that can be involved into the work you do for clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some way, they always influence each other. There is no way uh, that... They both exist independently. They sort of work in a interesting wave, sort of, you know, ups and downs. Sometimes this is better, sometimes that is better. Mm. And you will find that synergy working for you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it has totally worked for me. So I feel like there is work life and work life and they all sort of like meld into one thing. For me, design is a vocation. Mm-hmm. It's not a job. Like I never truly ever switch off. I'm constantly looking at things and I'm like, hey, that packaging is cool. Hey, they changed their logo. Like you never tune out. There's mm-hmm. very little chance as a designer because you're constantly trying to think of how does that actually work and how do they come up with it? Even something as basic as like lights, mm. you will constantly be doing that. So mm. I guess it's sort of deeply embedded in who you are as a person. So hard to disassociate. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm thinking of one question which is slightly on the fly because I have dealt with this uh, when I was working in agency long mm. time back in Web Chutney. Mm. Uh, especially this, this question is more towards the work side of it. Uh, a lot of times what happens is advertising or agency kind of a model, the client expects options, Hmm. right? Whereas in product design, we slightly stay away from product design and the online user interface kind of a thing. You decide on an approach and then keep evolving the design. You Hmm. don't say, isko pila mein dikhao, neela mein dikhao, right? Hmm. At least in product design. Hmm. In graphic, there is scope. So do you deal with that or uh, how do you deal? Yeah, there is always room for a sari shop. Hmm. I mean, there is always room. Hmm. But, I mean, if you're younger and like maybe you work independently, you probably don't have lesser room to say no to a client. But then when you come from a company like like in like a studio like Landau, where I guess like seven, like we've been around for decades, 78 years, I think, or 77, I'm not sure. But you've been around for like so long that people trust you. So when you walk into a room, they know that, it's not coming from some random place. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm the only person on the team. There are like five other people. And so you will always get an expertise opinion. So we do present options. I wouldn't say we don't. But it's not like a sari shop where you're like you have 30 logos and this doesn't work. We mm-hmm. just, I mean, we present a certain spectrum and we say this is where we, you know, you are. This is the shift you want to make or this is the vision you have for your new company and we will bring it to life and this is what it is and mm. we present a series of things to you and uh, you can pick if you don't like anything at all and if it's completely off the brief mm. uh, see design can be subjective like I mujhe ye color, I don't like this color Correct. I'm not very sure this font should be rounded but why like do you have a fun does it not meet the brief if you have we always have an evaluation criteria when we go to the client. So it's not like mood based. Mm-hmm. We tell them, okay, this is the brief given to us. So these are the five key considerations we've kept. And these designs map back to these five key considerations. And these five key considerations have to be told to the client in advance. So they are, everybody's on the same page when they walk into the meeting. The mm-hmm. worst thing you want in a meeting is when those five things are not set and the client is on some other page and you are on another page and there is no way there will be yeah, a consensus. Not, uh... So when you keep a key set of considerations on the page and then you map back your design to it plus uh, they can see okay these are the considerations so it's not a subjective opinion it's always objective so mm. there's usually a consensus saying okay we think this works best but we are not very sure can we see so there's again we hone in on an approach and then there may be iterations from that but mm-hmm. it's very rarely that there will be like a massive sari shop going on mm-hmm. we really like it's not like that yeah in fact this calls for a separate audio GAN session with someone whom you recommend that. How do you position <laughs> design to be very objective? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Pavitra, I would like to conclude with uh, one last question. Yeah. Uh, a lot of your recent work involves words and typography. Yeah. Uh, could you talk about it? I mean, also reading or uh, sharing a lot more of books that you have read or uh, you have also been a reader. So yeah. uh, how important it is. In fact, this what in the first initial conversation also we had uh, yeah. discussion about typography and calligraphy or yeah. words. So if you want to just uh, so, summarize this. Yeah, so I was always a voracious reader since I was in like school. I don't know. I have like endless books. I've read like every Enid Blyton available, I think, and like Roald Dahl. And my parents would really encourage reading because they felt like it was amazing. And sort of when I went to art school, because everything was all like, you're supposed to be a visual person. I just stopped reading. I don't know why. It was something just switched off and I... I guess it was like college, the amount of like parties you attend. Everybody knows about that <laughs> school parties. So, uh, so then you became like this person that just stopped reading. And then I started working again and I, I sort of felt like my imagination was only what I was seeing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. That's great. But then I also feel like input is equal to output. It's mm. like a thing that I actually believe in. It's what you feed your body is what's going to come out of it. So if you only, if your world focus is only about reading about design, designers, what other people are doing, that's all that will come out. So to be truly like different or think beyond what you could possibly do, you should be able to read. It could be anything. I'm not saying you need to pick up a novel. It could be graphic novels. It could be articles on the internet. It could be short form reading. It could be small booklets, short stories. There's a range of writing available in the market right now. Um, it's surplus surplus yeah <laughs> and you could start small grow big whatever I feel like reading also should be a spectrum you should not be like I only read X books I only read science fiction but why I mean it's great you love science fiction you can read 50% of your books are science fiction but you should open your worldview beyond that uh, I read everything from like I love history so I read a lot of history like every fifth book of mine will have something to do with other world history or Indian history um and then, like I said, it's something to do with my innate pride of being who I am, an Indian. Mm. But uh, there's also a large part of me which likes to read because I used to read, like, uh, I don't know, fiction when I was a kid, whether it's Enid Blyton or uh, Roald Dahl. So I have this innate sense of, like, Harry Potter. My God, those, those worlds are amazing. I still like to go back to some of them. And uh, some of the books I read are also on that spectrum. So it's not, you don't have to worry. I read young adult fiction. I read short stories. I read politics, everything. Because honestly, you don't know who your next client is going to be. And you don't know when this, what you read is going to influence what you do. So it's very important to sort of feed yourself in my understanding. And because I read and I used to like writing, I sort of decided to see if I could try to do authorship of some design projects. It started with Discipline, the book, where I wrote some things. It's not truly very successful at it. And it was kind of very young when I did it. So, but then since then I have evolved being able to write. And I feel like when I work, especially with Kadak, I feel like there's an ownership and authorship or like narrative storytelling is really important. So you start to hone how to narrate things. So recently I've been working on this project where I answer the same question, which is what is an artist if not a series of self-portraits? Okay, like if you think of any famous artist in the world, everybody sort of makes themselves the muse and keeps painting themselves. I really was not interested in painting myself. So I decided to write about myself in a hundred different ways. I think I'm at 35 or something, but it's hard. It's hard to be able to put yourself out there and still make it work. I, 
I'm unable to do it every day, I'll be honest. But it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many people who write to me looking at that and like, oh my God, me too. And then you're like, wow, there is a lot of people who think and work exactly like you do. So you're not necessarily unique as how much ever you like to think. But it's, I guess, the permutations and combinations of what comes out more. And I feel like reading has made me a better, reading and writing has made me a more thoughtful and better designer. And mm-hmm. I truly recommend it. If you have, I tell this to all the people, uh, all the junior designers and students who write to me, I'll be like, and they, a lot of people ask me recommendations for books. And I'm like, I will not recommend design books because I think that, yes, there's great design books that you can get out of your college library if you're already interested or you can research on the blogs. They're all pretty much the same. Everybody has the same 10 favorite books. Uh, there's very little that I can tell you that is not on the list. Uh, <laughs> but truly, if you want to be imaginative and inspired, I would recommend reading Beyond Design mm-hmm. uh, to truly impact or influence the kind of work that you do. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. Is it more... Uh like a tip or a suggestion for graphic design and pers- perspective? No, I just think all designers. Graphic designers mm-hmm. are just like one aspect. Even mm-hmm. product designers. I feel like to be truly thoughtful and think about the kind of work that you want to do, you need to be informed about the kind of people that are out there. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know, otherwise there's this very famous TED talk I would like to uh, like talk about. It's called The Danger of a Single Story. It is I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, but Chimamanda Adichie, uh, she's an African-American writer. And she talks about how if you have only a single lens on what people tell you, like everybody, all all Indian news, news channels are saying the same thing. And if that's your worldview, then that's the only way you'll be able to think. Uh, one example is how news feeds you, what news channels want to feed you. And they will talk about, like, for example, we always talk about like how the West portrays India as a land of turbans, cows walking, holy men, and uh, people in uneducated women in bright color saris. Honestly, the ground reality is very different. <laughs> but then like they don't know it mm-hmm. because their media has portrayed it in a certain fashion. And um, when they come and they come to in Bombay and they're like, wow, this you are like exactly like us. And I'm like, yeah, but why would you expect anything otherwise? But then their view is of a certain kind and they always think that, oh, India is a land of yoga and this is where we're going to find ourselves. But Honestly, that's not true. I mean, it is partly true. Mm. It's not like entirely wrong. But then there is a much larger aspect that they don't understand and know. And I feel like that's that's what happens when you read only design books. Mm. Or like you only read a certain kind of reading. Uh, your worldview is only that much. There's only that much that you can know. So to truly know beyond, like when we were taught Indian history in school, we, it's all north upward. As the Mughals, the Marathas, nobody knows what happened to the south. So if you actually think about it, the Coromandels are just not discussed as a part of history, but that's such a large part of Indian history. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to read to understand that. And nuances come from there. And I think it's truly important. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah. Which is why I truly recommend reading. I mean, of course, I've been reading since forever. So for me, it's really easy to say this. But I would say, even if it's just reading beyond design articles on the internet, we could start even just there. Mm-hmm. You could read about politics, you could read about the culture, you could read about uh, another country, you could decide to read an author from a con- different country mm-hmm. at least like a few times a year. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, how do you know what Japanese people are reading or how do you know what Koreans are reading or Australians? Their worldviews are so different from who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think reading just opens up that world. Yeah, totally. 
Okay, I think uh, this is a good note to end this. Uh, obviously, there are a lot more things to be discussed. But uh, <laughs> just on a ending note, if people have to follow your work, what are you up to? What's what's uh, in yeah? Well, I think I update Instagram the most. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably where my it's first name, last name. I'm not innovative and cool and don't have a cool handle. But it's Pavitra with an H because I'm South Indian and uh, Dikshit. Uh, you can find me. Um, actually, that's my name on all social media handles. Mm-hmm. But I would update Instagram the most. So it's Pavitra Dixit <laughs> on Instagram. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you, Pavitra, for giving your thank time. Thank you. This yeah. was great. Thank you so much. Okay. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye. It's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish Thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions, and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dutta is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Natigritis. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/IVMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program. and hdfc mutual fund thanks guys without you this would not be possible do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about web3 blockchain nfts daos what are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet so many questions but don't worry we've got answers to all your questions Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>